Good afternoon, everybody. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPEL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation or send a message through the KPEL app chat. Uh, good bit of news to get through today, but um, so I am uh, I am partial to two prep sports in and around Acadiana. The first is soccer. And the second is uh, boys basketball. Uh, having coached and having been a part of programs uh, in the past when I was in the education system, uh, I still follow. In fact, uh, tonight, the very first group of of boys that I started coaching the, when they were at their youngest. So uh, last year, I saw the first graduates of the the first scene, the first group of seniors um, that I had coached or helped coach uh, almost all the way through school, uh, they graduated this year. Um, a couple of kids that I have coached since they since basically they were in sixth grade and have, have uh, watched a lot of their games uh, when I was in the school system. Even this year, have gone to a few of their games. Uh, they play tonight. And that's at, that's at David Thibodeau, and uh, David Thibodeau will be playing against De La Salle. They'll be hosting, but they'll be playing at Karen Crow High School, and that's at 6 o'clock tonight. So I'm just kind of looking at uh, the boys' basketball playoffs tonight, looking for area teams, just in case any of y'all are going. Uh, at 7 o'clock tonight at Southside, Southside will be hosting uh, Destraham. That that will be, I think, an interesting game. Um, I don't have times for... Uh, Abbeville versus South Beauregard, Opelousas versus A.J. Ellender, and North Vermilion, which will be traveling to Brobridge. Don't have times for those, but those are three games in uh, the non-select Division II bracket. Uh, Erath played against Bruley last night and lost in that one, so they are out of the playoffs now. On the select side, looking at Division One, and this is kind of where I was when the show started and everything, so give me a minute to, to make sure I get my, my days and times right. Uh, tonight at 7 o'clock at McDonough High School, Karen Crow will be uh, traveling to take on St. Augustine, which is the number nine uh, ranked team in that division. Karen Crow at number 24. It is a very tough division, by the way. Uh, division one is an extremely tough division. And uh, it will be, I, 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 I'm hoping that Karen Crow does well, but I know that. St. Augustine, all those teams in D1 are are a major, major challenge. Uh, Lafayette High will be traveling to St. Paul's. Uh, they will play tonight at 6.30. STM has a bye, so they are, uh, they are currently uh, waiting for their next round. They are waiting for the winner of Edna Carr and Brother Martin. Uh, STM is number two in that division, Scotlandville, is uh, number one in that division. Uh, looking at the select division two, uh, Madison Prep, number one there. They've got a bye. Uh, that's, uh, let's see, local teams there. Northside, number 13. They will be hosting Booker T. Washington out of Shreveport tonight at 6.30. The winner of that goes to take on Vanderbilt Catholic. Uh, Turlings is number 22. They are traveling to John F. Kennedy. I don't see a time for that one. Lafayette Christian has a bye tonight, uh, so they are waiting on the winner of St. Michael the Archangel and Buckeye and uh, David Thibodeau, go Bulldogs. They will be playing at Karen Crow High at 6 o'clock versus De La Salle. The winner of that one takes on the number two Peabody. Uh, that P- 
Peabody is going to be a very tough game. I hope my Bulldogs win. Uh, going through, let's see. Um, I want to make sure. Let's see. Notre Dame out of Crowley. Uh, they uh, lost last night to Ascension Episcopal. So Ascension Episcopal will uh, travel. On the 28th, they will take on Dunham at Dunham. That will be a very, very tough one there. Catholic New Iberia beat Thomas Jefferson last night, so they uh, will be traveling to take on St. Charles, it looks like. Uh, let's see. Are there any others? Let's see. Division Four. want to make sure. Um, well, what do you know? My alma mater, St. Mary's of Natchitoches, they uh, had a bye. They're taking on St. Frederick's on the 28th. Go Tigers in that one. Opelous is Catholic tonight will be taking on Washita Christian. Uh, Opelous is Catholic number 12 in Division Four select. So that game will be tonight at 6 at Opelousas Catholic. Make sure, uh, let's see, Ascension Catholic will, uh, Vermilion Catholic. Vermilion Catholic will be playing, doesn't, I don't see a time on there, but they will be playing Magnolia School of Excellence. They win that one, VC, at number 10 right now. They will take on number 7, Southern Lab, if they win that one. And what else? Make sure, let's see, Division 5. Is there anybody local in Division 5? I need to know my divisions better. I just always focused on whatever one I was coaching in at the time. But anyway, there's your local high school boys playoffs tonight. I will be at Karen Crow to watch the David Thibodeau Bulldogs on that one. Uh, watch them play De La Salle. And uh, in particular, paying attention to well, I mean the whole team. I've I've coached and interacted with almost every every uh, player on that team. But this year's seniors, uh, they were sixth graders when I first really started getting into coaching. So uh, eager to see them. But anyway, that is a little bit of sports for right now. Okay, so I want to go on to a story. Uh, continue on a story that I was uh, going into yesterday, and that is. Uh, Garrett Graves. Garrett Graves uh, peeked his head out of his hiding place. He saw his shadow, so there's six more weeks of Garrett Graves talking about whether or not he's going to run for governor. Now today, over at The Advocate, there is a poll that's come out. I want to go into that real quick, and I'll get into it a little bit more. Uh, I'll start introducing it now, uh, get into it in just a moment. But um, Jeff Landry has a pretty big lead over other Republican opponents that have declared in this race. He has 23% in this poll, far ahead of 5% garnered by uh, John Schroeder and Sharon Hewitt. Um, So Jeff Landry has a sizable lead over declared candidates in this race, and that's important. That is important for y'all to know. Because Garrett Graves was on the sidelines talking about how, well, he's not seen any polling that shows anybody with a clear majority, blah, 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 blah. Well, do you know how early it is in all this? Um, Much of Landry's strength comes from being better known among voters, according to John Mathis, a political consultant who advises Baton Rouge businessman Richard Lipsy. the poll also gave 20% to Gary Chambers, a Democrat who finished second to John Kennedy when he won re-election in the Senate last year. Chambers, however, it's important to note, has said he's not running if Sean Wilson runs. Wilson, however, tied Schroeder and Hewitt with 5% in the poll. The thing is, though, if 
Chambers isn't running, that 20% will go to Wilson. And you can expect that as of right now, about 25 to 30% of the vote is automatically going to go to Wilson because of the black and Democrat vote here in the state of Louisiana. So you can already expect that about his Sean Wilson's floor right now in a crowded field is about 25%. What this poll did, though, is it included Bill Cassidy, who had 17%, and Garrett Graves, who has 12% in this poll, neither of which are running. In fact, Bill Cassidy has said he's not running. So that 17% is going to go somewhere else. And I imagine about half of that will probably go to Jeff Landry. That 12% going to Garrett Graves, I'll say probably about half of that goes to Jeff Landry. Um, because if these two Republicans are not running, if these two Republicans are not running, then you can expect that about half of their voters are going to find the Republican with the most support and just kind of tag along with them. These are people who are supporting somebody they, they, whose name they've heard, who they like, not necessarily for governor. Polls that are done with a lot of speculative candidates, though, candidates who have not declared the race, you can't really trust the results that are coming out of that one because that, those results are, are purely hypothetical. Gary Chambers is not going to run if Sean Wilson runs, and we're expecting that decision within the next couple of weeks. Wilson retired from uh, LADOTD, and he is now uh, prepping a campaign, it looks like. Garrett Graves, like I said, has... Uh, has stuck his head up once again and said, well, I'm feeling extreme pressure to run for governor. Uh, I still don't know from who. And the fact of the matter is that Graves uh, peeks his head up every now and then to see what the reaction to it will be, and then he sticks his head back into his little burrow in Congress. And the reaction to Garrett Graves uh, saying that he is feeling pressure to run has been either silence or backlash, depending on who you talk to. Either people don't know who he is or people are blasting him like me, like Moon, like others who are out there saying either run or shut up, basically. But the fact that he's not is uh, is I think that in and of itself is telling. Uh, As Moon pointed out this morning, you know, Graves says he feels extraordinary pressure to run, but he doesn't feel any pressure on a timetable. So which is it? Are you feeling pressure to run or not? Because if you don't have any pressure Uh, for a timetable, you're not really feeling pressure. People want you to get in because at this point you are several million dollars behind Jeff Landry because you haven't declared, because you haven't started putting campaign cash into into being able to spend it on running for governor. You are several million behind. You are a lot of support behind. I mean, he's picking up 23% in this hypothetical poll. You're picking up 12%. You are way behind there. You need to in order, you know, paraphrasing the popular phrase, poop or get off the pot, Garrett, because right now you are not doing anything that benefits anybody, including yourself, by popping up and saying, well, the field sucks and people want me to run. Do it or don't do it. Anyway, that's a look at that poll. And I want to uh, I want to go over a little bit more uh, in just a bit. But right now, let's go ahead and take this break. Your thoughts, your opinions, your calls, your messages on the app chat, all that and more here on The Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to call in and be part of the conversation or send a message through the KPL app chat. So the governor's race, obviously, you know, it's 2023. The race is this year. We are going to be talking about it more. Uh, 
we don't get a whole lot of polling in Louisiana. Um, and so whenever a, a poll comes out, even if it's one like this, which I, I y'all, this this is a privately done poll that was released to the media. It's supposed to get people talking about the race. It's it's not really supposed to do much more than that. Uh, I think. I think the important part here is just how much, uh, you know, the this the write-up of the poll was done by Tyler Bridges, you know, unofficial press secretary of John Bell Edwards. But even Bridges has to write in at the very end of his story on that those results need to be taken with the proverbial grain of salt, however, since Cassidy isn't running and Graves is not a candidate. Well, neither is Chambers. I think it's interesting that he refuses to mention, uh, although he mentions uh, Gary Chambers, he mentions Katie Bernhardt and uh, Graves and uh, and Cassidy. You know, the, the the two that aren't in the race that are Democrats, he doesn't mention at the end. I think it's a little bit of an omission that's, that that bias laid omission there. I don't think it's on purpose. I think it's just kind of uh, kind of. Uh, you know, just something automatic at this point. It's instinctive to just mention the Republicans and not the Democrats in that particular regard. But I think I think what needs to be paid attention to here is just how how the field is shaping up. The poll doesn't even mention uh, Representative Richard Nelson of Mandeville. The poll says that Schroeder and Sharon Hewitt are both tied at 5%. I don't think that shakes out in uh, in the actual race. I, I think that Hewitt ends up behind Schroeder by a decent bit. Uh, I, Schroeder has won statewide election. Um, he has some fans around the state. Uh, if he starts talking about fiscal responsibility in the state, if he starts talking about the fiscal problems of the state and how he is treasurer, tried to fight it and all this, I think he can probably get some support there. Hewitt, uh, Hewitt and Graves, the exact same to me. I don't think they bring a whole lot to the table that isn't being brought by another candidate. And so I don't see how they pick up any traction. Nelson, listening to the couple of interviews he's done, Nelson actually has some ideas and he has some charisma about him. And I think that actually... Uh, gives him an opportunity to to pick up some support. I don't know that he'll pick up a lot, but you know, I think it's I think it's interesting that he somebody who is uh start, who's just about to complete their first term in the legislature is going to uh jump out and start running for governor as well. But look at these numbers again. Landry gets 23% of the vote. In second place is Gary Chambers at 20%. Uh, Bill Cassidy, 17. Garrett Graves, uh, 12. Katie Bernhardt, 11. John Schroeder, 5. Sharon Hewitt, 5. Four of those candidates aren't even running. So 30%, 31% there of the Democrat vote in that race. Just toss that out. That doesn't mean anything. Probably most of it goes to Sean Wilson, who picked up 5% in that poll, uh, along with Schroeder and Hewitt. So, like I said, you can probably expect about a third of the vote, or as much as a third of the vote, to go to Sean Wilson. Uh, But, 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 
there is one thing to note here, and I want to talk about it when we get back, but I'm running up against this break. So let's take this break. Your calls as well. I want to talk more about the governor's race when we get back. All that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation or send a message through the KPL app chat. Um, I had to cut myself off because I was I, I ran behind. Like I had to rush through the news and everything uh, in that last time because I there's just there's so much as I can take this one poll and I can give you a ton of thoughts about it uh, because, again, we're at the point where we're in the election year in Louisiana. We don't get a whole lot of polls. So we we have to kind of know what is I mean, the, the information we do get. We kind of glomp onto and, and try to get a lay of the land based on that. Here's the lay of the land here. Landry, Jeff Landry, is the odds on favorite right now. He gets the highest percentage of the vote from anybody. I think what's telling is that Gary Chambers, who has not said he's going to run, comes in second place in this poll. And Sean Wilson, who is highly expected to declare, only gets 5%. What that tells me is that Sean Wilson, when he declares, and again, we expect him to, in you know a couple weeks, Sean Wilson is going to have to spend a lot of time just introducing himself to the state. So like some of the other candidates, Wilson has a lot of catch up that he has to play in order to get to where Jeff Landry is. Now, this is a poll that was conducted by a Baton Rouge or paid for by a Baton Rouge businessman. Um, His political advisor is John Mathis. The businessman is Richard Lipsy. Uh, Lipsy then turned around and shared the poll with the advocate in the Times-Picayune, which leads me to believe that this guy, probably moderate Republican to Democrat, I don't know his specific politics, but if that's where he's choosing to go with this poll first, I think it's fairly telling. If he's going to conduct a private poll and then give it to the media, he's not somebody who's going to be super conservative. Uh, Somebody who is conducting a, a a true poll, a, a true balanced, unbiased poll is going to just let that poll be, uh, just put that poll out there, send it to all outlets and just say, here's what we found. This is a private polling firm. We're doing this, this, and this. We, we found this information. They're not going to turn around and hand it off to one specific outlet like what appears to be done here. That would be like JMC Analytics with John Cuvion. That would be... Um, that that may be somebody who would, in fairness, give it to like Jeremy Alford, maybe, uh, but not to the Advocate, not to the Times Picayune, uh, maybe to the Gannett Papers. But I, I, though this 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 is somebody who conducted a poll with an agenda, and I think it's pretty telling. Again, that the guy expected to run on the Democratic side has 5% in this poll, while somebody not expected to run, especially if Sean Wilson does run, Gary Chambers comes in second. Chambers ran a statewide race. Chambers picked up a lot of, frankly, viral attention and got a lot of media coverage during the Senate race. And so I imagine that Chambers has a lot of popularity. But Chambers has the ability to basically play kingmaker. If Wilson runs and, 
and uh, Chambers throws all of his support behind Wilson, then you know that the Democrats are heavily going to swing that way. And that is important to understand what's happening on the Democratic side of the aisle. Katie Bernhardt, likewise, her support fades away. She's not a candidate. She said she's not running. This poll may change her mind. But she said, as of right now, she's not running. And so her 11 percent, assumed to be Democrats, her 11 percent goes over to Wilson. So you're looking at 20 percent from Chambers, uh, 11 percent, that's 31 percent if you add Bernhardt's and then 5 percent for Wilson. That's 36 percent. That's about what you can expect just from some Democrat vote. And if the entire black voting bloc goes out for Wilson, that's a third of the vote right there. The problem is how much of the Republican side is going to leave uh, Bill Cassidy and Garrett Graves and go with Jeff Landry as opposed to uh, some of the other candidates like uh, uh, John Schroeder, Sherrod Hewitt, Richard Nelson. Uh, the fact that this poll didn't include Nelson, I think, is, a, is, is another tell. But here's my take, just on, based on the lay of the land right now. Wilson will spend a lot of time and money introducing himself to the state, but as probably the Democrat in the race with the entire Democratic Party backing him, uh, Wilson will get between 25 and 30 percent of the primary vote, the, the jungle, the Louisiana jungle primary. Uh, Landry will get probably 30 percent of that vote if things break out like they are here. He could get much higher. Uh, but we'll see. And then the other, I think uh, Schroeder comes in second for the Republicans, but third behind uh, Wilson. I think uh, Nelson and Hewitt come around, come somewhere in, in distant uh, fourth and fifth place. I don't know about anybody else jumping in. So that's kind of where I think it is right now. Schroeder comes in kind of a distant third to uh to Wilson, if Wilson can unite that Democratic faction, which I think he can. I mean, the Democrats aren't really going to have many options on the table here. But this poll, I think the the fact that this poll exists is a bigger tell. This is somebody who wants, this is probably somebody who's advising Gary Graves, to be honest, saying, oh, we want you to run because look at this poll. Uh, Jeff Landry only gets 23% of the vote. It's a dishonest poll given that it includes Gary Chambers and Garrett Graves and Bill Cassidy and Katie Bernhardt and all that vote is is siphoning off from the other candidates. If you took an honest poll just of the people who are in the race and just for fun throw in Sean Wilson, I think you would see a much different outlook. I think you would see Landry with closer to 40%, if not somewhere between 40 and 45%. And I think you'd see a lot of that Gary Chambers vote going to Sean Wilson. But we're still several months away from this race, and a lot of things can happen. A lot of things can change. Right now, Jeff Landry has name recognition and he has money, more than anybody else in the state. Now, if John Bell Edwards' people can do better than they did with Luke Mixon, then they can get Sean Wilson a lot of money, and he can possibly compete with Jeff Landry. The other Republican candidates, I just don't see them competing on the money level, much less the name recognition level. John Schroeder may have the name recognition because he's won statewide races, but who pays attention when they actually vote in a state treasurer's race? Something to consider. This is going to be, I think, uh, Jeremy Alford was right, this is going to be the most expensive governor's race in history, breaking $100 million, he's predicting. I think that's probably close to right. Uh, 
I think we're going to have a lot of tough legislative battles as well with the legislature actually moving a bit further to the right. If I had to guess, based on kind of what I'm hearing on the ground, what I'm seeing in some of these reports, that more conservatives might actually be moving into the legislature. Some folks shifting around, going from one chamber to the other, trying to out you know beat the term limit rule. But overall, I think the legislature becomes even more Republican uh, if they play their cards right, if the Republicans are good candidates and they can win the races they need to win, which then you don't need a veto-proof majority if you get a Republican governor. But just in case the Republican Party screws up the governor's election again, you can have a veto-proof uh uh, you, yeah, you can have a uh, you can have a, a, a veto proof majority in the state legislature and be able to stop the Democratic Party from doing what they want to continue doing to the state. So the Republicans really just strategically need to play their cards right all up and down the ballot here in 2023. So that's it for the governor's race. Uh, I took longer on that than I had meant to, but. It's just kind of where we are on all this. Anyway, 232-1542, if you want to call in, be part of the conversation, or send a message through the KPL app chat. Um, in national news, in national news, so Pete Buttigieg went to, uh, he, he went to East Palestine, Ohio, and it was not great. Um. It was not great for him. And the fact of the matter is, he really is not ready for primetime. He is very much out of his debt here, uh, out of his depth here. And he was he was a diversity hire. I'm I'm sorry, he's he was the mayor of South Bend, Indiana. He was a diversity hire. He had no qualification to be transportation secretary, nothing in terms of accomplishments. And look, here here is uh, I I just want to play this clip from Corinne Jean-Pierre. And this this explains to you exactly the uh, the priorities of the Biden administration when it comes to who they hire. I want to take the opportunity to, to lay out uh, what, how diverse the president's cabinet has been, how diverse the president's administration has been. Uh, the cabinet is majority people of color for the first time in history. The cabinet is majority female for the first time in history. A majority of White House senior staff identify as female. Forty percent of White House senior staff identify as part of the racially diverse communities. And a record seven assistants to the president are openly LGBTQ+. So, again, this is something that the president prides himself on. Uh, that he ha- actually has taken action to show uh, the diversity of this administration. It's all about the diversity. They're checking off a lot of boxes. And, and you've seen in the Biden administration's response to a lot of crises in, since they've taken office, they haven't really been able to get a whole lot of things done. They are underqualified. They have checked off diversity boxes. Karine Jean-Pierre, LGBT black woman who is sitting there as press secretary, How many times has she been unable to answer, even to the point where the press gets hugely frustrated with her? The liberal-leaning press gets frustrated with Corinne Jean-Pierre and how few answers she actually gives when when they ask questions about Biden's transparency. So this is all about diversity. This isn't 
about competency because the fact of the matter is we haven't seen a whole lot of competency. Look, it's not that the Transportation Department is at fault for what happened in East Palestine, Ohio. Norfolk Southern is responsible. It was their track. It was their train. It was an over. It was a train that was bearing too much payload, and as a result, it derailed. It crashed. But the EPA and and the Transportation Department and their leadership have really been MIA in terms of public response, especially Pete Buttigieg, who has consistently been MIA when public response is needed for a crisis. And the American people don't trust them. And then you get the liberal elitists in the media who are trying to defend these folks. I mean, Joy Behar of, you know, on The View, I think it was yesterday, basically saying this is a this is a uh, a place that that voted for Donald Trump. This is what they get for voting for Trump. This is basically what she's implying. And the entire audience, the entire audience of The View in that studio gasped when she said it. Again, not an exact quote, but it's what she implied, that they deserved it because they voted for Trump. So they don't care about competency. They only care about the politics behind it. Rather than take ownership and go there and see what needs to be done, Pete Buttigieg spent his time blaming the Trump administration for rolling back regulations that actually had nothing to do with the derailment. He was getting in Twitter spats with senators, blaming them for siding with railroad companies and not siding uh, with workers, despite the fact that Buttigieg was out there touting the Biden administration deal between the labor unions and the rail companies that benefited the rail companies way more than the workers. This is not a competent administration. This is an administration that cares only about appearances, so they check off all the diversity boxes. And they roll right along and say, well, if something goes wrong, it's Donald Trump's fault. This is not a serious administration. All right. 232-1542. We're going to take this last break. Your calls, if you'd like to join in or your messages through the KPL app chat. When we return, we'll wrap up the day. And again, don't forget, high school basketball playoffs tonight. Be sure to go out and support your local schools. Be back in just a moment here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. And uh, before we go, uh, got a few minutes left. Again, if you want to call 232-1542, be glad to chat with you uh, about the issues of the day. But uh, I think one of the big stories that uh, is kind of being missed by a lot of the media right now is this one out of New Orleans. I hate pop-ups so much. I hate it when they pop up right as I'm trying to read you guys a story. In New Orleans, an assistant prosecutor wrongly decided to drop the prosecution of more than a dozen illegal gun possession cases arising from Mardi Gras season arrests in exchange for the suspects agreeing to forfeit their weapons, New Orleans District Attorney Jason Williams said on Thursday. Williams' statement was issued about the same time New Orleans Police Superintendent Michelle Woodfork told reporters her cousin was shot to death Tuesday night outside of a neighborhood bar, a victim of sporadic deadly gun violence that marred a largely peaceful weekend of Mardi Gras celebration. 
Williams' office had come under sharp criticism when local news outlets reported the non-prosecution decision affecting 15 misdemeanor suspects and one felony suspect who were making their first court appearances on weapons charges. LSU wide receiver Malik Neighbors was among those arrested on misdemeanor charges, according to New Orleans news outlets. Okay. So, it needs to be said, this is the same thing that we have seen all over the country. These misdemeanor charges getting dropped seems to be leading to an escalation in crime. Please note that if the suspects agree to give up their weapons, there is nothing barring those subjects, those suspects, from going out and getting new weapons, especially illegally. Because, once again, the people who commit the most gun crimes day to day are people who aren't exactly following the gun laws in the first place. And so they go out and there will be more violence. Things will escalate because they see there was no... There's no punishment for the first one. Why not try the second one? And things escalate. New Orleans is already the murder capital of the country. And it is also leading the country in terms of mass shootings already this year. We have to stop letting them off for the little things Because then they assume they can get away with the big things and they escalate. And there's nobody really talking any sense into these uh, district attorneys or their assistants. And saying, hey, have you noticed the statistics? Have you noticed the repeat offenders? Have you noticed that this is getting worse every time you do this? Nope, they aren't paying attention to it. They're just focused on the justice of the social justice aspect of it all, I guess. But anyway, that's it for me for the week. Thank you guys very much for tuning in. I'm going to be back on Monday here with you three o'clock as I am every day, three to four here on news talk, 96.5 KPL. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P Cunningham, facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham and email Joe at redstate.com. Red state, by the way, is where you can go to find my frequent writings uh, on a national level. And tune into the podcast. You, this podcast episode will be up very soon. You guys have a great weekend. Shannon is offsides next here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.